Hey, welcome to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. We've got another awesome guest with you today. He's the host and producer of one of the top entrepreneur podship, entrepreneurship podcasts in the world. He's also a business owner. He's an online content creator. He's a trained comedic actor. And also, he lived in a Chevy Suburban for a long time. So, Nicholas, welcome to the show, man. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. That was a heck of an intro. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man, if I could have pronounced those words, it would have been even better. Right? I'd, have, <laughs> I'd have nailed that one. So, I mean, I got to start it off right here. So we got to we got to take it to the Suburban. So first of all, why are you living in a Chevy Suburban? Yeah, that's a great question. And I got asked that a lot when I moved into it. Uh, <laughs> I went to college at a private university and I got a degree and it ended up being a little more expensive than I had anticipated. So I graduated a year early, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that for context. And even with graduating early and having half of my tuition paid from like different financial aid or grants, I still came out with $60,000 in student loan debt. And when I realized that, I was, you know, my senior year last semester, just thinking to myself, what have I done? How did I find myself in this situation? Who let me sign off on all these loans? (laughs) And all of these ideas kept brewing in my head of like, okay, what's the quickest way that I can get out of this situation? And, you know, I kept putting that question out there. And eventually my sibling's dad caught wind of this. And I was saying I was going to live in a car. And he's like, hey, I have this old 1986 Chevy Suburban. I don't use it. And if you're serious about living in it, I'll give it to you like free of charge. And I was like, the gauntlet was thrown down at that point. I was (laughs) like, all right, if you're going to give it to me for free, I'll do it. So my brother and I, we hooked it up, turned it into like this makeshift camper. It wasn't the type of things you see on Instagram where they have like full kitchens and like a gaming system. It was (laughs) like, it was a a plywood bed and some wooden drawers underneath. And then some different layers of like, um, it was like another little couch that you could turn into like a second bed. That was like, it was real bare bones. You had a crouch underneath. It was like the perfect height. It was like six one was my bed and I'm exactly six one. So it was like if I moved, you know, I'd fall into the middle. So that's how the story of the burb kind of got started. So how long did you live in this thing? I lived in it for three years. My original intention was I wanted to pay off my student loans in a year and I paid them off in 11 months. But the funny thing is, is my family, they started taking bets on how long that I, they thought I would last in the suburban and that the highest bid was two months. They thought I would bounce out of oh, it quick. I know. What an insult. I know. Uh, my mom tells me now, she was like, I bet low just so you would not do it. I knew you'd stay too long. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you say, mom. Um, but I lived in it for three years. And after around like the eight month mark, my best friend, he was getting, um, he's getting commissioned into the air force. And so he had a year before he actually had to go. And what I did was I, I got him a job where I was working and convinced him to move into the suburban with me. So not only was it just me in the suburban, now it was me and another guy. And he also had some student loan debt too. So we, we had a lot of fun being competitive and how much we could put toward our student loans, but that, yeah, three years is a short answer, man. All right, I, I need to hear some logistics. So yeah. How do things work, man? Just just take me through it. So you, tell me through that. How do you, what, what do meals look like? Oh, man. I was 
obsessed with paying off my debt. Like I, I was at the point where I was like, I need to pay this off. So I was eating very rarely. I, uh, I was having about one PB and J every two to three days because I didn't want to spend any money on anything I didn't have to. So I would work a bunch, like 60 to 80 hour weeks, take everything I made, you know, tie 10 and then throw the rest at my, at my student loans. So I'd have, yeah, I'd have PB and J's. Uh, I had a little cooler that went for a, that worked well for a while, some ham and cheese type sandwiches. Um, there was a span of time though. It was my last month where I was like, I think I could pay this off. I think I could do it where I bought this bag of fish sticks. It had a hundred fish sticks in there, microwavable. And I hid them in the office freezer and I had like two or three a day just chipped away at them for like the entire month. I like, I look back at that month and it says I spent $10 for food that month. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe it. I was like super malnourished and but I mean, that's that's what I ate. Uh, so hopefully that gives some insight into like how little I ate and also how ridiculous my mindset was at that time. Wow. So where, where are you working at the time? What kind of job are you doing? I got hired at the Department of Defense, Camp Pendleton, if anybody knows the to, to base out here in San Diego. Um, and I got hired on as a software engineer, but I quickly got moved into like a software project manager role after about six months. So it was, that's the other thing too. I think a lot of people ask me like, well, you got to travel around and do a bunch of cool stuff in your van, right? And I was like, no, I like parked outside and then drove to work every day. You know, it's like a very standard life. I wasn't going far and my suburban was old. So I was like scared to take it anywhere far. It could only go like 45 miles per hour. So, yeah. And then, cause then that's where you live, right? If you live some, you go to some other town, well, that's guess where you live now. <laughs> exactly. And it's the whole, you know, where do you park and like, are you safe? Do you know if you're safe? All of those questions come to mind. I didn't, I, the first month I lived in there, I, I like couldn't sleep because I had such a hard time figuring out where to park in the beginning. I would originally, I thought I'm going to park in dark places because I'll be able to sleep the best, but come to find out places that aren't well lit stuff happens at night. You know, it gets <laughs> sketchy. Like yeah. people walk around your car and like looking in it and it's, it's weird. No. Wow. So what are, what are showers looking like? You go into the YMCA, local YMCA. What does it look like? I was showering at the gym on base and we had this running joke, me and my friend that I live with, like, we'd be like, oh man, after two years, we're still forgetting our stuff. We'd forget towels. <laughs> like we would we forget towels. One time I forgot my shower shoes. I forgot it one time and I got athlete's foot oh. from that one time. I'm like, great. You know, two years in, I'm still forgetting my shower shoes, but <laughs> that's the logistics of just going to the gym and showering. Wow. I'm sure there's a hundred logistic questions you could answer on that. But let me ask you, were there any kind of like weird recipes you're like, all right, I can't eat a PBJ or a fish stick. I'm going to try something new today. Was there anything of weird recipes you came up with? What a great question. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I sometimes we would say I have this saying where if we did, we couldn't spend money on food for dinner that night, we'd just say, we're going to eat sleep. That's how we would got, <laughs> that's how we got through things. So our recipe was sleep. Uh, another thing that we would do is we would treat ourselves on like Thursdays with Wendy's four for four at the time. And that was like our dream meal, you know, it was like fries, chicken nuggets, burger, and you got a frosty. It's like, 
our our, our dream was made oh man uh, so that was that was the recipe that really sustained us like as long as we make it till thursday we could do the four for four we're set <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's amazing yeah the four for four is legit man that's a that's a deal right there so it's a great deal so let me ask you this well, out of all that what was the biggest kind of takeaway from that whole situation the biggest takeaway for me was how i saw relationships in my life becoming not that i didn't value them before but just how valuable they were because when you have nothing all you have is your friends all you have is like the people in your life and I thought it was so cool that my friends, maybe they were humoring me at some points, but they would come down and be like, dude, this is so cool. Like, and spend t- like a weekend with me. And they'd be like, I want to know how you live. Like, I want to know yeah. how this lifestyle works for you. And that meant a lot. And I, I think that takeaway is big in me still, because now I do live in a place that has a roof, you know, and a, a bigger bed. So it's like, I understand that if you take all this away from me, my my relationships, my friends are going to be there, and that's what's super important to me. Oh, that's awesome, man! Yeah, you got some perspective a lot of people don't have. So that's yeah. If this all ends tomorrow, I'm good. So, kind of kind of tying into that, man. So you're working for the Department of Defense, DOD for the cool kids out there, and uh, you become the target of an investigation. So what what were you being investigated for? Ah, oh, I do. It was such a bummer. Uh, <laughs> I got targeted because I was working, like I mentioned, like 60 to 80 hour weeks and where I was working, the average overtime that was permitted that they would approve was about one to two hours over. So there was somebody that was working 41 hours, 42 hours. And then there was me working 60 <laughs> to 80 hours. Like it was like a huge red flag, at least to them. And I was working a lot, but I was also producing a lot too. So it was like, not like I was just working in vain to scrape some dough, but they saw like my time card, somebody higher up. And then they also saw that I was supposedly living in my, in my suburban. And the, the statement that my manager said to me when he called me and was like, Hey, they think that you are a bum stealing from the government. They think you're stealing money from the government, which is like a crazy hardcore thing to be accused of especially i think i was 21 at the time so i was like oh my gosh this is my life's gonna be done for it's a big like a felony at least or it's some sort of criminal act and i was like dude this is bad um luckily my manager at the time he was a cool guy and i guess he had seen some of these before so he was like kind of walking me through you know like giving me he's like they want to know that you have a physical address so like you know give me a physical address that you live at. So I'd like give a friend's address and he's like, okay, great. And he's like, they want to say like, say you just like to surf, you know, you like to sleep in your car cause you like to surf. I'm like, yeah, that's why. Yeah. I, I like to be by, by the ocean. Yeah. That's why he's like feeding me answers. And then um, this went on and they, they went through every time card, every message I had ever sent, every email I'd ever sent, every wow. piece of work I'd ever sent. It was like a full audit of my life for, you know, since I started that job and just just to fast forward a little bit, how I like got them off the trail was so weird. I had a, a she was an ex-girlfriend at the time. Her friend calls me and because she's studying abroad, her friend calls me. He's like, hey, I was watching, you know, uh, your ex-girlfriend's car and I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to bring it to you. And I'm like, don't bring it to me. I live in a car. I, there's nothing <laughs> I can do with this this vehicle you're going to transport to me. And so they drop it off and I'm sleeping at the Walmart. They drop it off like eight miles away. I have to run eight miles, pick it up, drive it to the Walmart. 
But what happened was it was a Toyota Corolla and people were really suspicious about my Suburban. So I started to drive this Corolla into work and all of these people that were suspicious were like, how do you, ha you have two cars? I don't know why they think you live in your car if you have two cars. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, dude, weird. So, weird. <laughs> so crazy. And so I would do that. I would just drive back to my Suburban, sleep in it and then drive the other car. And eventually I lived in the Corolla for about a month. But for some reason that was like enough to throw them off the scent where they like lowered their guard. It was wow. weird. So weird. Man, as someone who has worked for the government, this whole thing is so freaking ironic because there are people stealing from the government. They're, work, they're not doing anything at work. And you're actually working and you get in trouble. Yes. Anyone that has worked for the government can vouch for that, that. There are so many people stealing from the government on the job just sitting there and you're actually working is crazy to me. Amen. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's like hard not to point the finger and be like, go check that guy's cubicle. See if he even turned on his computer today. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I saw him eating the whole day or something like that. That's probably what happened. One of those lazy people probably turned you in. That's probably what happened. Probably. <laughs> they needed something to do. <laughs> I'm not working. I'm going to start an investigation. So, I mean, all this telling me right now, I can obviously tell that you are a mentally tough person. Have you, did you grow up? Were you mentally tough growing up? How did you develop it? I mean, is this something that just happened? What happened with I think it's part of my personality inherently, but I do think there's another aspect that has grown over time. I think it originates, I was stewing on this, I think this originates around 2008 when my dad lost his job and then my mom had to start working a lot and I was left with a lot of alone time by myself and I kind of took on this mindset of, okay, I have to take care of myself mindset for better or for worse. And I think that innate like stirred some grit in me. Now, the common like characteristics that I had growing up that I do think were part of my personality is like in sixth grade, I was like writing workout plans for me to do so I could like be the best baseball player in my you know little league. And I think some of that is like inherent or maybe I saw it from someone and it was influenced in the right way. Um, yeah, and I think I think some of it also probably comes from my mom in the high school time frame of just instilling that. You know, if you want to be successful in something, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take grit and it's going to take, you know, you putting in those hours. So I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think it's a skill that can be developed. Yeah, man, that's obviously someone who can live in their van and get through a government investigation. It's got some, uh, got some grit to them. I like that word to use. Grit, grit's a good thing to have kids too. And then, I mean, you, you had to, you had to do it, right? So some kids just, you know, they have kind of a, you know, it's great to have an ideal childhood, but, um, everything's always given to you you probably don't develop too much grit when something goes wrong you're probably not ready for it so that's it's kind of the gift of your childhood man that you had to kind of figure that out and used it in everyday life so uh kind of switching gears a little bit you you train at the groundlings comedy theater improv which is a famous thing so first of all tell it if people hadn't heard of us tell us a little bit more about what that is sure the groundlings theater is kind of a, a pathway to snl is probably the best way i could describe it there's like different tiers of comedy improv classes that you can take but a lot of these people will go through the ranks of the theater join their sketch writing group and then hopefully get picked up by you know some bigger comedy sketch groups like you'll if you recognize a name like will ferrell he went through the groundlings theater and i'm not comparing myself to will ferrell on any means i'm still at the very i'm still in the beginning process of a lot of the groundlings theater uh but I have been training there and I have learned a lot about the yes and technique and all of those things. <laughs> oh, I, I tried some, uh, some improv and they told me, they give me like, here's a five minute overview of what to do. Here's what not to do. 
And immediately I just started doing the not to do's. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know, my improv was to go the opposite of what they said. So it, this it's tougher than it looks. So uh, why did you start to decide to start doing that? I, I will agree. It is tougher than it looks. I started doing it because uh, one, I enjoy it. And I think it helps flow into a lot of other things in my day-to-day life. Like even just recently from taking these classes, I've seen my my public speaking abilities improve. I've seen my following my intuition improve because that's a lot of what it is, is trusting your instincts, listening to what the other person is saying, and then being willing to, you know, up it or take it to the next level and not having fear of looking ridiculous because that's the whole point is to look ridiculous. You know, you're supposed to like put yourself out there and it is scary, but it's also hilarious. So I think a lot of the non-tangibles that come with it is super valuable to me and that's what i what attracts me most to doing comedy improv that's cool you're super successful in a a bunch of different areas how has it kind of bled over into the business side for you yeah i think really it's having losing a lot of the fear that comes with being in front of people and also taking the risks you know, I think sometimes you walk into a room and let's say it's a networking event and you're like, oh man, this is kind of scary. I don't know if I want to shake hands with all these people or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. But, you know, comedy improv is like your name gets called up and you get called up to the front of class or whatever it is. And you're in front of 25 people you don't know. And they're asking you to make weird animal noises or something. It's like, well, I've done that. So what? <laughs> this is probably not as bad as being, you know. Uh, I won't use the word embarrassed, but like silly or goofy in in front of a bunch of different people. I think that is there. And also in improv, you can't negate things. So if somebody says like labels you as like you are you're such you're such a polite person, you're going to pretend to be super polite, like the most polite in business. I feel like when bad things happen our first instinct might be to just be like, well, this is getting tough and I am going to sit this one out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to find the bench and and call it a day, but similar to improv, it's like, okay, yeah, that's happening. What do I have to do to keep this going? Not the bad thing, but keep the mission moving forward. So I think some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see that for sure. So I mean, you, you have a a really great website, by the way, Um, tons of resources and products on there. Um, which ones do you get the most feedback about? Because there's so many on there. What, what do people kind of talk to you most about? I think there's two that get the most traction. One is people really enjoy the sweatshirts. I got a sweatshirt with the burb on it. People love that. And it's, <laughs> that's always exciting to, to see them wear it and also hear the feedback on. The other one is I have an unlimited content plan. It's like a program where people that want to have a podcast or do have a podcast and they want to have all of it cut up uh, and put on all the social medias. And they also don't want to do the work for the podcast. We'll do all of that. So it's pretty much like a system where you can show up to a microphone for four hours out of the month and then like four for four episodes and have all of your social media taken care of, all of your podcasts taken care of. Don't have to worry about any of that stuff. We get a lot of good feedback on that, too. Man, that's huge right there. That's a lot. That's a lot. If someone else, you could just turn that over somebody. That's a great deal right there. So, I mean, that's a, that's two ends of the spectrum right there. A sweatshirt and all you can do <laughs> content. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about your podcast. You do a really good, great job with yours. Thanks. Uh, my podcast is just my name, The Nicholas Italian Show. And our tagline is we interview experts, entrepreneurs, and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and level up your business. Really, it's similar to what you and I are doing here where 
I'm on the other side and I'm asking these people who have reached a, a certain level of success in their life, how they found the fulfillment, but also found the success in their businesses and saying, Hey, we want our businesses to be at that level or above. What are, what did you do that made yeah. this happen? Because we want it. We want the process, the step-by-step -step. and it's kind of getting rid of the middleman of having to go seek out a mentor for your own. It's like, let's learn from some of the best top people in these industries and take what we can and apply it to our own lives. Yeah. I've listened to one about how do comedians make money? I, I was like, I've always <laughs> yeah. wondered that. And I listened to that and he broke it down. Like how does this guy make a, a, a professional comedian, make a living someone that he's not Chris rock, but he's someone who's making a great living. How does he do that? That was cool that, Hey, I could do that. If you're a comedian right now, you should go listen to that one and go check it out. Cause it's got just steps right there for you. So that's what you do a great job on your podcast. Give people action steps and entertainment along the way. It's like infotainment, I guess you'd yeah. call it. So, um, so I'll, I'll link the, your, uh, website in the show notes, because I know people can't spell your name. They're like, mom and Joe Martin, people, uh, people don't do okay with Joe Martin, but Nicholas and Kat and Natalia is a little bit different. So man, thank you so much for coming. I, I was, I really enjoyed it. I was looking forward to it and it, and it led up to the hype. Joe, this has been awesome. I have to say, thank you for doing all the research that you did and asking such thorough questions. You're awesome. Look forward to staying in contact and getting to know you more. So Absolutely, man. Me. Hey, if you're listening right now, maybe you're maybe you're living in a van by, down by the river and you need some more tips or something like that. Please share this episode. There's the people can he can benefit from all these things. Maybe they need some mental toughness tips, learn about some things that he's been doing, check out the website, all that good stuff. Maybe you want a sweatshirt to go with your van down by the river. I don't know. But anyway, please share this episode, spread the positivity, and y'all come back next week. We'll see you then. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. For every student who is doing well in traditional school, there is a student who is experiencing bullying, high student-to-teacher ratio, overcrowded classrooms, a decline in mental health, and teachers who are powerless to make the changes they know are necessary. Over the past four years, Valley Leadership Academy has established a reputation for being inclusive, teaching and modeling the growth mindset that is so important, offering students personal attention and individualized learning objectives, and embracing parent feedback. They also just happen to be a 501c3 nonprofit. Valley Leadership invites you to join them in their mission to provide an excellent education along with real-life leadership and service opportunities. Please visit valleyleadership.org to find out about personal and corporate sponsorships that will help this remarkable school grow into an even brighter spot in Huntsville. Valley Leadership Academy wants the wonderful people of Huntsville and the surrounding areas to be part of their team. Together, we can make a difference. 
hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.